Hello everyone and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we have been studying the book of Numbers through the lens of mimetic theory. The last episode considered chapters 13 and 14 in which elders go to spy out the land of Canaan. Upon their return, most of the elders discourage the people from setting their desire upon the promised land, claiming that the cities are fortified and inhabited by big scary giants. All of the elders who give a bad report die instantly before the Lord, which suggests that they were lynched as part of a mimetic crisis. Remember that back in Exodus, these very same elders were responsible for inspiring the people's desire from the promised land. Now undergoing a mimetic crisis in the wilderness, the people look back and blame these elders for their plight. Filled with rage, the community converges upon the elders and executes them. Yet one elder survives, Caleb the son of Jephunneh. Caleb encourages the people to take possession of the promised land, assuring them that with God's help they will prevail. While the other elders die, Caleb survives the primitive sacred's wrath. As we have seen, the book of Numbers is really a story about a people divided, as they forsake their common desired object and each follow after their personal whims and cravings. The people's lack of focus places them in grave danger throughout their wilderness wanderings. As the Lord declared in chapter 14, the current generation will die in the wilderness and it will be their children who inherit the promised land. Let's pick up the story now from chapter 14 verse 39. When Moses told these words to all the people of Israel, the people mourned greatly And they rose early in the morning and went up to the heights of the hill country, saying, Here we are, we will go up to the place that the Lord has promised us, for we have sinned. But Moses said, Why now are you transgressing the command of the Lord, when that will not succeed? Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. For there the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned back from following the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the Ark of the Covenant or of the Lord nor Moses departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Hormah. I've always found this passage quite puzzling. For once the people put aside their whims and cravings to actually follow the Lord's direction and attempt to take possession of the promised land. But they are told that the Lord will not go with them because they have turned back from following the Lord. In other words, the people will not be empowered by the primitive sacred because they have forsaken their desire for the promised land. Notice the people's motivation for their mission. The people are horrified by the prospect of dying in the wilderness. Motivated by guilt and shame, the people decide to attack the Canaanites living in the hill country. Essentially, the people are attempting to punish themselves for their sins by waging war upon the Canaanites. 
For this reason, the mission fails, just as Moses warns them. You see, the people have still not set their desire fully upon the land of Canaan. Until they do so, their mission to take possession of the promised land will never be successful. As we read on in chapter 15, we are given various rituals that the people must perform when they enter the promised land. Through these rituals, the people attempt to protect their community and manage the primitive sacred. Let's read on now from verse 22. But if you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by Moses, from the day that the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then, if it was done unintentionally, without the knowledge of the congregation, all the congregation shall offer one bull from the herd for a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the rule, one male goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the people of Israel, and they shall be forgiven, because it was a mistake, and they have brought their offering a food offering to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their mistake. And all the congregation of the people of Israel shall be forgiven, and the stranger who sojourns among them because the whole population was involved in the one mistake. If one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a female goat, a year old, for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for the person who makes a mistake when he sins unintentionally to make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is native among the people of Israel, and for the stranger who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. The legislator addresses two types of sins in this passage. Sins for which atonement can be made through sacrifice, and those committed with a high hand, for which no atonement can be made. Although most translations label the first category of sins as unintentional, the translation of this phrase is actually quite slippery. Other scholars translate this phrase as sins which are either premeditated or committed in secret. There are actually problems with all these interpretations, which I don't want to get into here. I think approaching this passage from a mimetic perspective offers a better reading of these two different categories of sin. Sins committed with a high hand refer to acts of mimetic rivalry directed towards other community members. These acts recall ancient images of warrior deities who would brandish weapons in their raised hands, communicating their determination to fight against their enemies and win. A similar image is portrayed by the description of the Lord's saving power as an outstretched arm when he defiantly opposes and defeats Israel's enemies. High-handed sins threaten to generate a cycle of mimetic violence within the community. 
For this reason, those who commit high-handed sins must be excised from their community. Notice that the person who sins with a high hand must bear their iniquity. Throughout the Bible, this idea of bearing one's iniquity or sin signifies a community scapegoat. In fact, the scapegoat not only bears their own sin, but the entire community's sin, which is loaded upon them. As the community vent their mimetic rivalries upon their communal scapegoat, they experience the peace and order that comes with the lifting of their burdens. Of course, the text describes these sins as belonging to the scapegoat. They're bearing their own iniquity because the community assigns all the guilt for the medic crisis to the scapegoat. In contrast, there is another category of sins which don't require the offender to bear the community's sin as a communal scapegoat. The main difference between this category and the category of high-handed sins is that the offender can achieve expiation through an animal sacrifice and they are forgiven. In other words, these sins may be forgiven, which means no mimetic violence or rivalry is set in motion. And this is really the key difference between these two different categories of sin. High-handed sins cannot be forgiven because they generate rivalry and violence within the community. Yet when forgiveness is achieved, no mimetic rivalry is generated and people no longer have to carry around the burden of their sin. As we read on from verse 32, we see an example of a man who commits a high-handed sin and must bear his iniquity. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, The man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones, as the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on each tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Sabbath desecration is one of those unforgivable, high-handed sins for which offenders must be executed. As discussed in an earlier episode, Sabbath observance represents sacred time. According to Genesis 1, to reflect the divine image and continue the Lord's creative work, 
Israel must observe the Sabbath rhythm in their everyday lives. Desecrating this sacred rhythm represents an attack upon the Lord's sovereignty and the creative order itself. And so here we see this high-handed imagery of someone shaking their fist in defiance against the Lord. Just as transgressing the sacred boundaries of the tabernacle risks an outburst of divine wrath, so desecration of the sacred Sabbath rhythm threatens the community's well-being. Throughout the Pentateuch, the Sabbath is often juxtaposed with Israel's emancipation from slavery, when the people were forced to work continually without respite. The Sabbath gatherers' actions in this passage mirror the people's forced labor in Egypt, as Pharaoh commanded them to gather straw to make bricks. Presumably, these sticks would have been used to create a fire for warmth and to prepare food. The man's actions portray his desire to abandon the pursuit of the land of Canaan and return to Egypt. Like those who grumbled over food and water earlier in the narrative, the Sabbath gatherer forsakes his desire for life in the promised land, for food and comfort. The Sabbath gatherer is executed as a communal scapegoat. Notice this malefactor is executed by communal stoning, which is a common means of execution within the Pentateuch. Communal stoning allows everyone to participate in the scapegoat's execution, as they vent their collective rivalries. Of course, the community do not assume responsibility for the scapegoat's execution, but project their actions onto the primitive sacred. In this passage, until the primitive sacred's will can be determined, the offender is held in custody. Moses then communicates to the people that the primitive sacred demands the Sabbath gatherer's execution. Like the rest of his generation who will die in the wilderness, the Sabbath gatherer perishes because he exchanges his desire for the promised land for his whims and cravings. To assist the community set their desire upon the promised land, the Lord commands that everyone sews blue tassels into their garments. These tassels serve as a visible reminder to focus upon the law and forsake their random whims and cravings. The community's lack of focus upon the promised land will ultimately be their demise. Like the Sabbath gatherer in this story who must bear their sin and die, the community will likewise perish in the wilderness. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Mimetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.